2: Broadcasting from the 80Up Studio. It's the longest running poker podcast for the everyday poker player with your host, Joe Scan. Hello, A team.
3: It's Friday, February 2nd. Welcome to the Up Poker Podcast, where every hand is an opportunity, every player is a friend, and every episode is a winning experience. I'm your host, Joe Scales, and it's Groundhog Day. <laughs> it appears that good old Punxsutawney Phil did not see his shadow, so I personally will welcome an early spring. <laughs> I know in the past, we've talked about advancedpokertraining.com on the podcast and in the magazine, But I have a link for you to sign up with them. And if you use the link, then I get a little bit of a kickback. So if you're thinking about joining, use the link and support the podcast as well. And I'm working on a couple of other things that I hope to come to fruition with them. But I don't want to say too much about that yet. Hopefully we can get into that soon. I mentioned the magazine and that reminded me I'll have the February issue out on Monday. So be on the lookout for that. I know I gave you a sneak peek last week of the feature with the trooper, but the full interview will be in the magazine, so keep an eye out. And then Elle and I will talk more about the Patreon private game that we had yesterday, but I wanted to give a shout out to Rod, who is our new Patreon member. If you would like to join us, click on the link in the description for our Patreon page. That's all I have, so let's get on with the show
2: find out what conversations are happening around the poker table with table
4: talk
3: we are back around the poker table with l how are you
4: besides having the winter crud (laughs) you know we're hanging in there we're having a good week
3: yeah we've been uh we've both been battling it a little bit a little bit of the stuffies
4: The joy of being inside with people. (laughs) (laughs) It is what, you know, a lot of people don't want to be sick at all anymore, but it's to be expected in the winter months, I think.
3: Yeah, 100%. We did manage to attend the Patreon private game last night, managed to get that in. It was our January Patreon game, even though we played it in February. Mm -hmm.
4: (laughs) Sometimes that happens. We could try to find a, a good time for everybody and and ended up being last night. But I had a wireless mouse this time, so I ne- didn't click. Yes. And I made it a lot further in the tournament. Let me just tell you, uh, a pro tip, haha. <laughs> more like a um, beginning, beginner tip of online poker. If your mouse pad on your laptop is not reliable, get a Bluetooth mouse. Yes. It's so much better. i made... <sighs> Much better decisions made it much further, oh my gosh, got kicked out by a seven. Hello to the brand new patreon member, Rod. Thanks so much, yeah, dude. he did very well though. I mean, I made the right de- the right decision at the right time, but got a seven on the freaking river, and off I go,
3: yeah, Kings versus sevens
4: and a seven on the river mm. it,
3: <laughs> it does happen, uh Frank won last night. So, so happy for Frank
4: yeah. <laughs> he always gets teased and poked and prodded because he can handle it. And because he's so much fun. And because um, he
3: does the same, let's be well, honest. Yes. <laughs> he,
4: does, he does instigate quite a bit of that, but I think he loves it. And it's his, I think it's his love language. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I really, it, Frank is so much fun and is such an integral part to um, play poker Chicago. He's the, he is the main front man to find all the charities where, um, the money raised during play poker Chicago tournaments goes and so super fun that we got to meet him on that World World whirlwind tour last fall and has just been really fun to continue playing with him every month. I can't wait to see you again Frank in person soon. Yes. We'll be up that in April.
3: And and he beat Chicago Joe heads up. So
4: dun, dun, dun. <laughs> So he
3: so Frank gets that fifty dollar Amazon gift card and you already mentioned it but shout out huge shout out to Rod. Uh, our new Patreon member,
4: mm-hmm. he
3: jumped in. He played well
4: on the go. On the go, yeah. He was on business somewhere else and was he? he jumped in and said, "I'm just even playing with crappy hotel Wi-Fi connection." So <laughs> all can play.
3: Yeah, we were missing a few players from last night, but uh, but it was still a good game. I think we had a lot of fun, and
4: we're looking for more people to play. It's free, guys, and the winner gets. so and the more people we have the higher the prize pool we can offer
3: 100% yeah all they have to do really they have to sign up for our Patreon page at the raise level Mm -hmm. and then that gets some access to the game and all of the perks of our Patreon page so speaking of that Patreon page we we have our cruise coming up in October I know I mentioned last week that I was going to I was going to announce the discount for that, mm-hmm. but, uh, I'm, I'm still working on the details for that. So,
4: well, our, um, travel agent is sick as well. I'm telling you guys, it's just going around right now. So we've tried to give him a little bit of break there and hopefully we'll have that turned out for you next week, but just don't forget. We have that poker cruise coming up mid October, put it on your radar, start putting money aside. We'll have that website up and going for you. Um, asap because let's go
3: right and for those of you guys that are new you don't know what we're talking about we have the ante Up poker cruise october 14th through the 18th where we're going to have our own private poker room with tournaments and cash games gifts for all the ante up players and where we go we're going to uh half moon k
4: Sailing to the sunny Bahamas. There you go. Carnival's privately owned island where there will be no other folks, I guess you could say no no other tourists other than those that are traveling with Carnival. Um, it's a beautiful island. It's very private and exclusive. And then we're going to be headed to the Bahamas and back. It's a short trip. It's going to be a fun trip. Um, lots and lots of really cool swag coming your way. We're not going to spoil that, but just know that your entry fee and your your fees to be on the cruise, you will leave very, very pleasantly surprised.
3: Yes. And um, of course, if you guys want more information on it, just send me an email to podcast at, at com. I've got a a sheet full of information I can send you out with contact information for the travel agent and, and how to book. So,
4: And also the insurance. We highly recommend getting insurance on this trip. That's just a quick plug. Uh, in case you get sick, something happens with a family member, your flight is delayed. Guys, if you're coming, fly in a day early. In case any delay happens, you're still on the boat the next day. We'll talk about more of those details as we get closer, but right, right. super excited. More to come.
3: Also, so last week we had Hannah Smith from Camp One Step On. Yeah. And yesterday she sent us a message saying the registration for the poker game is officially open. So You got
4: it. I think you can click right um, in our stories on Instagram or Facebook and it should take you to Camp One Steps page. We do have a code to get you, I think it's $50 off. So right. we need to confirm that with Hannah and that'll be coming out. Look for that in the magazine. Right. Um, we'll definitely have information there. We cannot wait. You will definitely want to be one of the first 100 because you get an extra 5,000 chip add-on. Guys, what is at stake for a very low entry fee? is a seat to the WSOP main. It's a huge thing. You play against 250 players. If you want to play in the 30 spots of high rollers, well worth a $700 investment to try your chance um, to get that WSOP main event seat. Right. Uh, awesome, awesome event put on. If you want to bring a plus one or a friend, there are spectator seats available. I mean, that's, that's just like open buffet, open bar, open play yard games, make s'mores. It's a fun night. I yeah. can't wait.
3: And I think the spectator tickets, if I remember right, they're
4: $150. Yeah.
3: You get so much stuff. Cause I mean, they have all these games that you can play the wine toss mm-hmm. that you look forward to every year. Uh,
4: Not always just wine. That's <laughs>
3: true. Wine. That is true. Yeah. <laughs>
4: um, I'm just going to say this over and over again, <clears throat> bottom of our hearts. We have two live cancer diagnoses happening in our family right now. This is a cause that no matter how much money you throw, depends. if you have $100, if you have $1,000 to donate, you will not leave empty-handed. I just got cold chills. Knowing that that is really a donation to sending kids with cancer to camp. It could be themselves. It could be their siblings. It could be their entire family. Much-needed respite time away, something to look forward to during that time, and I cannot say enough about it.
3: One hundred percent, yeah. Also, kind of speaking of the main event, you know they're giving away that main event ticket, but Nadia Magnus is also giving away two seats to the main event. Uh, She's giving away her seats to women with one hundred and fifty thousand dollars or less in total live earnings on on Hinden Mob as of. The last day of last year. So 12-31-23.
4: Ladies, 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 this should perk your interest. Gentlemen that know ladies who play poker and have their earnings tracked. Hello. Huge opportunity here. Huge, huge, huge opportunity to attend the WSOP main event. Um, what an awesome thing that Nadia is doing. Just really, really cool, and the fact that last year she gave away a main event seat to this year's WSOP, and that woman was the one who who busted closest to the bubble. Right. So
3: I think that's cool.
4: <laughs> there. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, for more information on what you have to do or or how to how to win that, go to her Twitter page or X page, whatever you call it, at Nadia KGB, which is funny, also. <laughs> yeah, check her out, and then you know I, I I love ending this segment on a positive note. And Lee Steinberg, I don't know if you know who that is, but he is a very well known sports agent.
4: Show me the money.
3: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the rumor is that he is the person that Jerry Maguire is based on. But every year he has a pre Super Bowl party.
4: That's huge. It's not just like 20 of his closest friends.
3: Right. Come on, It's huge. And he's been doing this for like 37 years. Amazing. Well, this year, I guess because it's in Vegas, this year he's having a poker tournament with his party. And, I mean, there are going to be tons of like, what do you call them, A-list celebrities?
4: (laughs) This is not just the -the run-of-the-mill poker event tournament. You've got to be invited to it. Yeah. However, opportunity for us here.
3: I mean, sure. If somebody wanted to partner with us and we came up with $25,000, then we could find a way to sponsor the event, which would be cool.
4: We get nine spots in that tournament, a custom branded poker table that's autographed by Jamie Gold and Steinberg.
3: I mean, Maybe you're onto something. Maybe we just need to find somebody and we partner together and we sponsor this together and, and then we get nine people to join the game. And then we, we auction off the table and raise even more money.
4: In addition to that, 15,000 of that is going to special Olympics in our name. So.
3: Right. And I think that's the biggest thing is that this, the proceeds from this tournament, are all going to benefit Special Olympics, and that's why I think it's a positive. You know, I, I, it's such a good thing when when people are using poker for good because our slogan, as we've mentioned before, I mean, bet on better. Mm-hmm. This is this is how you do it. Camp one step, bet on better. This this uh, Lee Steinberg tournament, bet on better. I think it's it's terrific and. Just the way I like ending this segment, talking about positivity like that. So let's uh, let's plan on doing this again next week.
4: Always. It's a pleasure to be around the table with you, Joe.
3: Likewise.
2: Now it's time for Call the Floor with Elliot Schechter.
3: Elliot Schechter is the poker room manager for Rivers Casino in Schenectady, New York. He joins us each week to say how he would roll in situations that come up in your games, and he's here with us again this week. Elliot, how you doing?
5: I'm doing well, thanks. Hi there. How you doing today?
3: I'm doing well. So now we've got a couple of weeks before we have the big game. Any big plans for that? I may
5: watch the game. I may not. They pack it full of commercials. There's too many television timeouts. The game takes forever to watch.
3: It does. That's true. Not, you're not looking to get your fill of Taylor Swift shots all through the, out the game. <laughs>
5: not particularly. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad she's going to be there. It should be a great time, but yeah, yeah, it's a long day just to watch a game. I mean, they work worked so hard to get these games down to three
3: hours and this is going to go on forever. <laughs> I remember when, I was younger. I remember they used to play every single Super Bowl all through. it would start the previous day and they would play every single one of them up until that game. <laughs> right. I think
5: I think NFL Network or one of the one of the online channels still does it. Really?
3: Oh, sure. Well, uh, this week we've got a kind of an interesting situation that happens here. It's sent in by Glenn May. He was interested in seeing how you would rule on this. He says, at a table of eight, there's two players to the flop. And once the flop is out, players do their betting, and then the dealer gets ready to put out the turn when somehow six cards slide out of the middle of the deck. Two of them are exposed, and the other four are face down. But there are enough cards on the top of the deck to play out the rest of the hand. So his question is, how should this hand proceed? Because the ruling from the floor there was to take the cards that sled out of the deck, shuffle them back into the remaining deck, cut, and proceed with a burn and turn. And he says, if this is correct, why would we not just use the cards that are on the top, since we had enough to burn and deal the turn and river?
5: Well, uh, these are very good questions. And this is certainly more of a concept than a, than a situation. If we're going to roll on situation, um, let's start with uh, the floor person got it right. And that leads us to why. And this is the good discussion. Certainly, there's been a debate of card destiny uh, versus <laughs> random card theory. And random card theory has won out. And I'm glad I'm on. I was always for random card theory. I don't believe in card destiny. Uh, random card theory is based on the principle that any card unseen uh, by any player should theoretically still, number one, be in the deck, and number two, have a chance to play. And that's very simple logic and useful to the point that most uh, game theory is based on this very principle, or at least uh, form of it, uh, you can't assume cards are out and you shouldn't know cards are out. If cards are out, it's absolutely uh, supposed to have a chance to play. And that's how your pot odds, implied odds, and all the rest are calculated. All your right. pot equities are, b- are based on uh, unseen cards. Therefore, the unseen cards must have a chance to play. Well, now let's extend that to exposed cards in this situation. Oh, and similar situations. If the cards are not in somebody's hand and they're not in the muck and they're supposed to be unseen, well, they should have a chance to play, inadvertent exposure or otherwise. So shuffling them back in is the correct procedure. Uh, using the top of the deck, which is obviously unmolested, good point, it's it's intact, but theoretically the cards that were exposed, if they were not exposed, could could absolutely have had a chance and should have had a chance to be a part of those uh, cards at the top of the deck. And we're not supposed to know. The ink doesn't change based on where in the deck the card is placed or how it is shuffled or cut. Uh, therefore, the cards must be able to play. Shuffling up at this point is absolutely correct and follows all of these principles, which we're trying to codify and, and, and make uh, standard.
3: Well, let me ask you this then from that kind of theory. Sure. What's different in something like that happening, and when the dealer is dealing the cards, one card is exposed, and you go around, and then give them the last card, and that card that was exposed becomes the burn. What's different in that as opposed to this situation? Well,
5: uh, not as much as we'd like to think. (laughs) Uh, uh, That being said, uh, after the after the deck is shuffled and cut, and the cards are dealt. We're going to deal so many cards and we certainly don't want to keep pulling people's hands or killing their hands due to inadvertent errors, such as an exposed card on the deal. So giving them the very next card is not a problem. It's a face down card and it was never going to be shown to the players ever. It was always allegedly going to be part of the pack. It was always going to be in play. It was always going to be a live card. Uh, There was no point in not giving uh, that player the next card and keeping them in action. If we're not going to exchange a card, we can't let them play. They've only got one card, at least one card hidden. Right. Uh, The logic is to keep the game moving, and we're using live random cards to make it happen. Uh, Again, it still falls in line. For game security, we burn cards uh, before the start of every betting round after the first. Uh, It's a random card that comes off the top of the deck. Uh, giving it to the player in place of that card is not wrong. It keeps the game moving and, again, hasn't changed anybody's odds and hasn't been predestined. Uh, nobody knows what cards are going where, and it, it was accidental that the, the person who had the their card exposed in the first place, so getting them another random down card, again, is fine and should happen. We're right. not looking to keep people from playing, and we're not looking to sanctify the order of the cards once the deck is cut by the dealer
3: i mean that that makes sense that makes sense and and when when it's on the deal uh, like i was asking then you're still keeping the same number of cards kind of in order because like you said there's a burn card that's going to happen so you're not exchanging ones that would have been been on the flop or the turn etc and even so. if it, were, it doesn't matter it doesn't
5: matter i mean we could literally spread the deck, give that guy a card, and then shuffle the cards back up right then and then worry about the, the turn of the flop. We can continually shuffle the deck after every card that is dealt. It doesn't matter. They're all down cards. We don't know what the faces are until they're actually turned up. They're all random. There's 52 of the, of the same standardized cards in every deck. Giving that guy the next card is the same as literally plucking a card out of the middle and giving it to him. It's just a standard procedure that looks and feels the same. Can he, more readily become accepted and lets the game move on at a good pace.
3: All right, Elliot. So let me ask it this way. If none of those cards that fell out of the deck would have been exposed, would we still shuffle it back into the deck?
5: Oh, wow. Now we're really getting into the the nuts and bolts and Lord of the Universe stuff. <laughs> the answer is Yes. Uh, a lot of casinos probably would not. This doesn't make sense and is not consistent with the procedure. If we're only going to reshuffle for, for exposed cards, regardless, I mean, then we didn't have to come up with all these procedures. <laughs> uh, these are live cards from the deck. And I'm when it comes to game integrity, game security, I'm not going to just take a couple people's word for it. Uh, that these came out of the middle. Uh, let's face it, uh, for most able-bodied dealers who are in the industry, it's much more difficult to release cards from the middle of the pack than it is from the top of the pack. So to just take it on face value, that these cards are from the middle and unexposed, it doesn't really uh, jibe with the odds. <laughs> Live cards that are taken from the pack inadvertently are supposed to be shuffled back in. It would occur to me to shuffle these back in. It's consistent with all of the other procedures laid out. When cards are are taken inadvertently from the deck and when they're not supposed to be, uh, the pack is supposed to get shuffled. They're all random cards anyways. It doesn't matter if the deck gets shuffled if nobody's seen any cards. Nobody's odds have been affected in any way. Their odds have remained the same. If they've got 12 outs and you're shuffling the deck, they still have 12 outs. <laughs> they <laughs> hit their hand and it's not changed. Right. So shuffling the cards in that spot when cards have come out of the deck, uh, unseen even, is the absolute safest and best thing to do. Now, most casinos will go with, oh, well, they, no harm, no foul. We still have the top of the deck. Number one, there's a non-zero chance that, that the top of the deck is is intact i mean it, it's it's not 100 percent certainty in any direction right and what are you trying to gain by by not shuffling up a, f- a few seconds if you're already at the table making a ruling that time is wasted <laughs> just make a full <laughs> investment right you're not getting that time back you're not increasing the rake by saving that time yeah but again game integrity means too much shuffling the pack is not affecting anybody nobody knows where the cards are if they're face down nobody should know where the cards are. And if they do, now you got other problems to worry about. And that's why you shuffle the cards to make sure that the game is on the up and up. There's nothing wrong with shuffling the pack there. And it's absolutely correct to do it. Once again, if the the stub is not intact in any way, it needs to be shuffled up so that it can be dealt out to complete the hand. So yeah, you can't lose by shuffling up here. And you do remain consistent with all of the other times that you have to shuffle the pack to continue the deal. So why break from that tradition? Why break from that set of procedures? Why make your game less secure? Right. Why give anybody a chance to see a card or why take cards out of the deck for no apparent reason? (laughs) So, yeah, Uh, this will probably split everybody down the middle. I'd imagine most casinos, especially those with older clientele, or those uh, with very hard, Hard uh, traditions of, well, oh, that's the way it's always been done, or we always do it this way, or that card was supposed to be in that spot. They're not going to change their minds. They're probably going to use the top of the deck whenever possible. It's time to get with uh, current thinking and yeah. current observation. We're trying to make sure that the games are safe, and shuffling up keeps the game both consistent and safe, <laughs> which is better than
3: inconsistent and unsafe. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Glenn, I hope that uh, clears everything up on that one. Very good explanation, Elliot. I appreciate that. And if anyone has a call the floor that they would like to know how Elliot would rule, send it to podcast at anyupmagazine.com. Elliot, let's do it again next week.
5: Definitely. Talk to you then.
3: Keep
2: those
5: submissions coming, everybody.
2: Break it down
3: with hand of the week. We're back with another hand of the week with Patrick. How you doing, man? Yo, I'm good, my friend. How are you? I'm good. Before we get too far into the hand of the week, I want to mention Jackpot Digital because it has been the topic of conversation in the Annie Up fans Facebook page. Oh boy. Uh, One of our listeners, uh, Vincent Ferrigno, he's on a cruise right now, actually. And the cruise has the jackpot digital table. Unfortunately, it's been down. And that sucks. That's terrible timing. I know. I know he was looking forward to being able to play on the tables. And I imagine when you're out there at sea, you know, they don't have somebody that can just jump on there and fix these tables. So I hate that. He did. He took some pictures though, which the table looks nice. Yeah, he just doesn't get to take advantage of those perks of the jackpot blitz table, like the speed. You know, the speed at which they're played, all those side games and whatever. So here's here's what I'm hoping. Hopefully, Vincent. Hopefully, you're going to you're going to be joining us on the India Poker Cruise in October. And there, I'm going to be reaching out to Jackpot Blitz, so make sure that the tables are good to go. And from there, you and I will sit down at these tables, and we'll play some hands, and I'll even buy you a drink.
6: Boom. (laughs) I got to tell you, that sounds like a pretty good deal right there. I like that.
3: Yeah. I just hate it because I know he was looking forward to it, but I hope he joins us and we're able to play some hands together.
6: Absolutely.
3: For this hand, Stephen Arnold sent us this hand. We're gonna have to jump in the time machine, and we're going 25 years <laughs> into the <laughs> past. What? Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, so he still remembers this hand, so it's it's gotta be a doozy.
6: Oh my gosh, can you I mean 25 years ago when a hand stuck with you, this is gonna be yeah. this is gonna be legendary. I love it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: He was playing at Southern Indiana's Horseshoe Casino, and he says, I put my name on the list for one, two, no limit, and get seated about 20 minutes later. He gives us a little bit of insight on his his play back then. He says, back then I played a bit scared, folded too much, and would always leave if I lost my first buy-in to prevent spewing a lot of cash if I was up against a tough table or on tilt. So in this hand, he sits down with the max, which was three hundred dollars. Okay. The first hand we're dealt. The very first hand we're dealt. The very first hand we're dealt. Let's go. We have pocket jacks under the gun. <laughs> <laughs> well, this could turn he out well. It. it could. It could turn out well. We don't know yet. Right. He doesn't. He doesn't tell us what the suits are. So okay. that uh, I guess that doesn't matter. It was twenty five years ago. We're gonna give Steven a break on the on the suits. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs>
6: um. All right. Under the gun, three hundred dollars. Pocket jacks. I like it. How do you want to start? I mean, I like jacks. I mean, I, it gets a bad connotation, but I I like jacks. I don't know. I'm probably going ten bucks. Yeah. I,
3: I I think we don't really know how the table's playing. What the dynamics are. Yeah. Uh, and, and unless he was watching the table to get a feel for it with that 20 minute wait, yeah. we don't, you know, unless he was watching that, we don't really know what a typical raise is there, but I'm probably going eight to 10. Yeah. Yeah. For four X or five X. But Steven says he must've been watching. Cause he says, I make the standard raise to $12 and get two callers from middle position. Not bad. Okay. We're going to go three-handed to the flop then. He says, the first caller is a young woman I've played with many times because she is a regular who plays every day. Okay. She plays very straightforward. Only three bets pre-flop with aces or kings. Check calls any draws. Check folds anytime she misses the flop. Once she doubles her money, she gets up and leaves. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i would i would say he's got her figured out <laughs> yeah he says if she hits her hand she overbets usually and tries to get as much in the pot as possible um but she currently has us covered at about 325 dollars. the second caller so we got a lot of information on i that. love the this. second caller is sitting right next to the late the first lady and they are about the same age and have the same style. I'm, I'm assuming he means style of play, not style in clothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They've been chatting with each other since I arrived in the poker room. I've never seen this second lady before. She has about $315. So they both have us covered. Yep. With the blinds in the pot, we should have about, what, $39? So $39 in there and the flop comes nine ten Jack, all diamonds. (laughs) Danger, Will Robinson. Danger.
6: I mean, I I will be very, very quick on this one. If this was truly my hand and it was truly the first hand of it, I'm out. I don't care if I have a set. You've got a set. I know that, but it's diamonds. (laughs) And I know that, and it's the very first hand I'm running. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but it would be a thought, a real thought in my head. Um. Wow. Well, and you're first to act, so I know. you get to. You're gonna call me crazy, but I kind of want to. I kind of want to ch- check call or check race here, depending on what the bet is. I want to see where everyone's yeah, I, at. So I, I, I honestly,
3: really, I'm with you hundred percent. Yeah, I'm like I'm a hundred percent with you. Okay. Check Here's this. <laughs> we could be drawing dead here, right? Yes, very much so. I mean. Even if we hit our boat, the straight flush is there. Like, it could happen. Yeah. King, queen of diamonds, and we're heading home after one hand. Yeah. <laughs> if, we, if we continue on this board, uh, I just feel like we're opening ourselves up to getting check raised. Right? Yeah. They have ace something, and the ace is the ace of diamonds, they could check raise us. They have king queen. The well, if they have king queen, they're probably just gonna try and suck us dry. But <laughs> king queen of diamonds. <laughs> but yeah, I'm with you. I would just check. And I mean, he. What did he tell us? He said, if they hit their hand, they overbet, right? And if they miss, they check fold. So we can still learn a lot from what's about to by checking. Occur. Correct. Correct. So. I'm good with a check. Yeah. But Steven says, with such a coordinated board, I don't want to slow play or bet small uh, and announce a bet of $35. I start to count out seven red chips and immediately Lady One announces $100 and starts to slide out a stack of red chips. Immediately after her, Lady Two announces all in and starts pushing all of her chips in. Before I've even counted out my seven red chips, the action is back on me. <laughs> I look over at Lady One and she's obviously going to call the all in. And she is already pushing all her chips to the middle. It's the first hand, Patrick. Run away. I
6: mean, what?
3: Yeah. the first hand, Either
6: that or maybe, this, you know what, maybe this is the day that Steven back then, he changed his persona a little bit and was okay with another buy-in if he's got some extra cash on the hand. You know, I mean, right. if he's making them out, again, he said he plays with her all the time and, you know, she comes in with aces or kings. Uh, you know, and yeah, maybe they, one of them is a diamond. You know, I I don't know. I, I None of this screams... Cr- Call. This seems you're done. Thanks. Yeah,
3: yeah so Let's I'm a, keep playing. So you're
6: too fight it out. I'm folding.
3: Yeah. Me too. Um, I mean okay. here's the thing. We have we have the potential to boat up, right? Right that potential's we do. 100%. out there.
6: Yes, and get that.
3: Yes. But even if we do, are we are we ahead? I don't know. Yeah, probably I think in most cases, I would discredit the straight flush. It, because if I feel like if they had the straight flush, they would bet smaller, right?
6: Yeah. Try to truly get everything that they could, yes.
3: But even if it's a straight or a flush, we're still behind and we have to we have to have the Boat board pair. To win. Yeah. Which gives us six outs. So we've only got what, forty forty-seven dollars invested at this point? Yeah. Yeah. I so I'm I'm gonna walk away from it.
6: Absolutely. I'm gonna take a stab and say Steven did not.
3: <laughs> well Steven says <laughs> Steven says uh, I go into the tank. I didn't think I was up against a straight flush, since I assume they would try to play that hand slower. So like what you said. So the likely hands were flushes, straights, sets and possibly two-pair. I mean, I, I I really would discount two-pair here, but a pair with a flush draw, like maybe there's Ace-10 with Ace of Diamonds, yeah. right? So right. that to me seems more likely than two-pair. But he says, I know Lady 1 would not raise with just an Ace of Diamonds. So the only thing that would have pushed so hard with that would be a made flush or a straight, and maybe a set. Lady 2 a bit more unknown, but I doubt she would have instant shoved with a draw or something like Ace-King or Ace-Queen with an Ace of Diamonds. So, thinking I must improve to win, that two of my outs for pairing the board may be taken if one of them, like maybe Lady 2, has two pair or a set yeah so with fear of losing my buy-in and going home on the first hand I finally fold okay smart the dealer puts out the remaining two cards which are two low black cards that don't pair the board lady one turns over pocket tens and lady two turns over pocket nines. <laughs> uh- <laughs> Okay, All right. go ahead. No, go ahead.
6: <laughs> I know why Steven remembers this from 25 yeah. years ago. Yeah. But from my point of view, you and knowing the player that you did and you got a little bit of a read on the second woman, you played that absolutely <laughs> right. Yeah. All day, seven days a week, every day for the last 25 years, you play that hand the exact same way. And you just have to stomach the fact that you lost out on, you know, 600 extra chips. <laughs> right. <laughs> and apparently 25 years later, Steven is still stomaching it. So, and I love the guy for it.
3: Um, Yeah, so a couple of thoughts. <laughs> One, what a different game 25 years ago. <laughs> oh my God. But really, I mean... Steven had reads on the players, and that's what we do, right? We we put reads on players, and we continue to reevaluate our reads as the game goes on. I don't think it's wrong to trust your reads, for sure. Turns out, in this one case, it was wrong. But that doesn't make it the wrong play. I mean, in this case, I would say more like right play, wrong result, right? Yeah,
6: and I would say this one too, correct me if I'm wrong. Joe, I I don't know that it was a wrong read or more just the read has to be adapted on them that there is a you know a wild card out there. I mean,
3: Yeah, I don't think it was the wrong read. Who in the world I
6: mean, he's not even putting hasn't even putting his chips out and you've got a raise and an all in and a and a ready to call from across the table. Yeah. And they're not even taking it into account, I mean, if <laughs> Now, hindsight being twenty twenty, looking at the rest of the, you know, I say this every week, but, you know, if you go run a run or something else, I mean, yeah, maybe I had, you know, Ace, if they're looking at me, maybe I had, you know, Ace of Diamonds something else and the, you know, one more diamond comes out, or I'm sitting there on, you know, Ace Five of Diamonds, and you just got smoked. Right. (laughs) Like what were they
3: doing there's just too much potential danger to really make that call i think in my opinion but yeah uh, which brings me to the last point i would make which is this was 25 years ago dude <laughs> it, jimmy buffett has a song breathe in breathe out move on that's the that's the best advice in poker right there breathe in wow. breathe out and move on um, I mean, you made a decision based on the information you had at the time. It was a good decision based on that information. You just got to be okay with your decisions and move on. Look, Stephen's still playing poker twenty-five
6: years later, so he clearly didn't let him affect him that much. But he held on to that one. I think there's definitely a grudge against Woman One and Woman Two. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> there is no doubt. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, my. But
6: you're right, and you move on.
3: Yeah. I. I mean, I hope that. I hope that this didn't hold some kind of real estate in his mind so that he played the next time he played against either one of these two that he didn't change his style or, or whatever, because I know he said he folded way too often back then, but in this particular hand, I don't think that's an example of it. So hopefully it didn't affect him moving forward.
6: Yeah. My point of view, I agree too. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think that was one of them.
3: So uh, Stephen, appreciate you sending that in. Uh, hopefully, you know, you were able to take some money off of them later on in the night because you had lots of chips to, to play with later as the night moved on. And if anyone has a hand that they would like Patrick and I to break down, send it to podcast at anyupmagazine.com. Patrick, I'll see you next week. Sounds good. Everyone have a good one. It's
6: time for Joe's Whoa.
3: You know what, I've played a lot of hands of poker and I will still look at a hand afterward and wonder, (laughs) what was I thinking? Sometimes it's mistakes that are so overwhelming it cost me my whole stack. The question we have to ask ourselves is, why did we make that mistake? Was it an error in our execution or was it a lack of knowledge? The fact of the matter is, Everyone will make a mistake in poker, even the pros. No amount of study will keep you from making mistakes. So how do you get past it and move on after making a mistake? I come from a little bit of a baseball background, and it seems pretty easy for us all to realize we're not going to be able to master hitting a curveball overnight, let alone throwing one. But for some reason, people think that if I watch enough poker strategy videos or listen to enough poker podcasts, (laughs) I will become a poker master quickly. But the realistic part of the game is mistakes are an important part of learning. Doing this podcast over time has been a constant reminder of that as well. What you have to do is accept the reality that you will have a what-was-I-thinking moment. It's easy to let frustration and regret get the best of you when these errors happen. And that's only going to lead to more errors. Keeping your head and controlling your emotions in that moment is the only way to recover from that point on. But this is where you're going to think I'm crazy. After you finish the tournament, and of course collect your winnings, now it's time to think about the mistakes. You should think about them. I'm not saying lose sleep over them. But think about them. Study them. Ask questions about them. How did you get there? Why did you do what you did? Then get over it. Move on. And know that if you're in the situation again, you'll be better equipped to make a better decision. That's today's One Outer, and that's today's show. I'll see you next week, A-Team. And until then, I'll see you at the tables.
2: The Annie Up Podcast is a production of AnnieUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcasts at anyupmagazine.com or call the show at 540 339 7741. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to editor at anyupmagazine.com.
0: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding